they have groups like the ADOS group, which is um, uh, American descendants of slavery, where that conversation, this conversation of reparations is constantly uh, being brought up and it's being brought up on state levels and uh, national levels. And so... What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Gentrification, a podcast chronicling the process whereby the character of two urban black girls turned women are changed by adulthood and societal norms moving in. We sip cocktails while improving our understandings and attracting new views, typically displacing current narratives, morals, and values in the process. I'm Gloria Dean. And I'm Sunny Carter. Let's get gentrified. On the rocks? On the rocks. All right, guys. So today, I will be doing On the Rocks. I know it's the first time for everything. But this is um, a variation of vodka soda, which um, I... This has become my fave because I'm trying to keep the calories a little lower, not do too much juice. Um, But, you know, you always like a little splash for color and a little extra flavor. So this is two ounces of vodka, one ounce of orange juice, and club soda to top or sparkling white wine. Orange slice for the garnish. And, I mean, make sure you put some ice in there. And I would just pop those ingredients right in. You don't need to do a shake or anything. It mixes nicely. And it's a very light but bubbly taste. So it's like give you mimosa vibes when you don't have time for champagne. (laughs) I like vodka sodas. Of course, I like to do gin and sodas instead of vodka sodas because I'm a big gin person. But vodka sodas are, I think now that I'm in my 30s, And more distinguished. <laughs> I've been popping in again vodka sodas now. And, you know, just stuff with soda. Yeah. It's convenient. Um, like I said, it helps so you can keep the calories a little lower. And the taste is great. Everyone likes a little bubble here and there, right? So, how you doing, sis? I am doing okay. This has been a pretty boring week. I mean... I just had a lot of meetings and just sitting in meetings and webinars, just the typical pandemic pandemonium, nothing yes. fun, just a lot of yawns and like Zoom calls and more <laughs> Zoom calls and then emails and then more Zoom. I I could see that this, it's been um, raining here a lot lately, so it's definitely been pretty gloomy. I mean, I'm still trying to get up and do my workouts in the morning, but I've had to switch to home workouts a few times because it's been, like, raining so hard. But um, this this week has been all right. It's been a little bit quieter than usual as far as work, which is appreciated, um, but the work doesn't stop. Um, outside of that, um, in the, the personal life, the business life, things are going well. Right, you're I, rocking and rolling over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's really weird because this has come at a, a transition time for me. You know, I am pivoting from Airbnb and doing property management. And um, I was in travel agent before doing a travel agent, you know, independent agent before. And so now I'm back doing that again. And that, you know, came out the gate just flying like this has been an exciting transition now i have a, a interview coming up soon so i'll be excited to share more information about that with you guys but okay, okay. Uh, yeah it, it's going all right we're, we're moving along <laughs> okay so today we in the spirit of our ancestors we are discussing why we need reparations for black americans and i have to start off with saying happy black history month y'all like you already know this had to be coming right <laughs> yes i know we're probably gonna get canceled by the few people that we do have listening <laughs> but it's all good because reparations are always fair and square to discuss and yes happy black history month i think this is going to be a blackity black black episode um yes so i'll guess give like a quick overview of the article so um the article starts off talking about the history of reparations in the united states it mentions native americans japanese americans um how the U.S. aided in the Jewish people getting rep rep uh, reparations from the Holocaust. So, um, as Dee said, you know, this isn't new. This isn't our first time hearing reparations. This is not something that America and the United States is unfamiliar with. Uh, the article then goes down to talk about missed opportunities to atone for slavery and reparations. It talks about 40 acres and a mule, the New Deal, Social Security. And then it talks about what reparations for slavery and anti-black policies look like. In this part, um, we're going to get into the details of it, but it was really interesting because it had multiple approaches that I would was okay with all except for one. And it wasn't really that I was okay to have a little more questions. But then the last part is just, you know, the valid question of who should receive reparations, and it breaks that down as well. So do you want to... Um, Talk about something that stood out to you. That was that was a quick overview, but you want to take it into the beginning where we were, you know, starts off with the history. Did you want to talk about something there that really stood out? Um, I mean, of course, some of the things that stood out to me in the beginning kind of intro part was that what, like, what reparations would represent for Black Americans talked about the value that was placed on slaves around $3 billion was assigned to the physical yes. bodies of enslaved black Americans in the 1860s. So that's crazy. Yeah. That was nuts to me because it does seem like when reparations come about people in America, not just white people, a lot of Americans, black, white, of all racial backgrounds and ethnicities always seem to act as if, 
well, how could we even go about doing it? Because, you know, how do we assign a value? And it's like, the value has already been assigned. Correct. And I did Correct. do the math to see, like, how much is $3 billion in today's money? And I, like, calculated it out. It wouldn't end up being, like, too much compared to, like, the amount of black people that are in the country today versus, like, how much that money would actually be given how much it would have been worth back then, obviously more today. I forgot the actual number because that's me. I write them down and then just forget where I put pieces of paper. But I actually divided it by how many black people are in the country today. And I was like, that's actually, it was like 2000 and some change, honestly, um, to each individual black person that's today, that we have in America today. But we know that our population is not built the black population in America is not just built off of the descendants of enslaved Africans who were brought over to here. There's immigrants, there's people who are native to other countries who migrated here, native to other places in North America who came here, who are also black, um, other U S territories that weren't actually in the States, things of that nature. So obviously the number would change. I'm guessing if you went through every black person and found out who's actually a descendant of a slave and who's not, and I I like this article because it didn't limit it to people that are descendants of slaves, but it also included people that were discriminated against and missed opportunities for economic growth due to policies and practices that America has put that the U, U.S. has put in place, and so it it was really. The the first part, the article just, you know, goes straight in for the goat punch, saying that the average white family is roughly 10 times the amount of wealth as the average black family. Also, the white college graduates have seven times more wealth than black college graduates. And, you know, we always get that famous line, just work a little harder, just do a little more, just go to college. And we're once again saying that even when we do all of those things that people that society tells us to do it still will not make up for the difference of the amount of wealth between people between these races yeah it doesn't make up for the difference in what your skin tone can do for you in america uh i was shocked by the white high school dropouts have more wealth than black college graduates that was something that would grind my gears, of course. Frustrating completely. <laughs> um, because, I mean, this is, I, I remember that being the narrative. You know, you're going to go to college. You're going to get a job. And once you do those things, that that's exactly what you need. And let me tell you, we are two women that follow those instructions to a T and it's still not as sweet as y'all said it would be. <laughs> no, it is not. But that was one of the things, I guess we can touch on that a little later when we talk about the policies that people have for potential reparations. Um, okay. But when we jump into the history of reparations, one thing I always found interesting and I always thought like, the structure of reparations is easy for the United States when they have committed mass genocide and they've caused um, 
of ethnicity to be wiped out and only left the descendants with next to nothing because they did that yes. to Native Americans. So I always wonder, like, why didn't they get black people reservations? Like, why didn't we get, uh, you know, land for, exactly. you know, for our ancestors? Like, why didn't we get any money? I know Native Americans have, like, a lot of different, like, college scholarships. I remember, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know what he's doing now, but somebody we went to high school with who the whole time I'd known him since middle school, he was always white. But when we came around and filled out college applications, he started talking about how he was a quarter Native American because he could get into any college that he wanted to, like, for free, basically, as long as he has some Native American heritage. And, like, his mom legitimately did. But he had lived his whole life as a white boy. But, like, wow. when it came to college, I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, man. And he was, like, a theater kid. And, like, not even, like, one of these scammers out here, but he had me actually laughing <laughs> so hard because I was like, so you're really going to do this? He's like, yeah. Like, he's like, I am deeply immersing myself into my Native American heritage because my parents said they're not paying for college, so this is what I'm <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Um, and I was like, that's crazy that, like, you know, African Americans, like, black people, black Americans don't get any sort of anything for college based on no. the hardship that our ancestors had to go through in this country that is it's very tough um to see the the story is funny but it also just speaks so much to privilege because it it never was something that he leaned into until he needed it and once again that safety net was there for him like we as black people there's no type of safety net people say oh it's um you know, these assistance programs, government assistance programs, X, Y, Z. No, it's not. Because the way those systems are designed, you have to do things to keep you in that system, basically. <laughs> like Yeah, when I think about the government, like, uh, systems that are set up, like, the social programs that we have to help yes. women and children and people who are impoverished, uh, it actually makes me I start feeling like an old black person who's like you know an old church goer who you talking about the government and you sound like a conspiracy theorist in a way but I'm like you know these social programs like unfortunately they do kind of keep the black family fragmented because yeah. I remember growing up like I grew up in a project and I remember a lot of people around us had like section eight but, like, there was no marriages, no boyfriends who could live with you. Like, you couldn't be married and have a husband and still get Section 8. You don't get food stamp benefits sometimes if you're married. You, your benefits decrease. So, like, I knew a lot of women who had longtime partners but never married because they didn't want to lose their benefits. And because yeah. they would both work and make money, but they still didn't have enough to make ends meet. So, they yeah, I mean hid their relationships. And I'm like... It reminded me in this article when they said um, 15% of the enslaved people shipped from West Africa died during transport. And it talked about how slavery also disrupted families. Uh, one, in three mi one in three marriages of the migrants were split up. And then one in five children were separated from their parents. And that just kind of like made me think about like, wow, they've really been like trying to break up the black family like since our yes. ancestors arrived on these shores. Like... It's not a game to them. 
it's really not. And we, being from Missouri, um, they have, there's a name of a project. I don't have to think on it for a second, but they actually had um, a certain type of projects in uh, Missouri where the man was not allowed to live in the household with the family. Like Like, that was the rule. You had to be a single mother in order to be eligible for this housing. And I'm just like, Man, these having these type of systems in place are just so damaging to the black family, the black unit, the black community. So yeah, let's let's keep going about this. We yeah, we talked about the history. We talked about Native Americans. Uh, we also talked just I lightly mentioned about how the the United States via the Marshall Plan. Um, helped to ensure that Jews received reparations for the Holocaust. And so it's, if, if you're able, if the U- U.S. is able, U.S. US government is able to, to see the errors, not only for themselves, but for others, and to advocate for that repayment, then it shouldn't be a question about why black people, black Americans haven't received reparations. And we're the only group that hasn't. I do believe that one key thing, and you know, we got to tread lightly when talking about Jewish people in the Holocaust. They oh, that's right. cancel Whoopi yes. Goldberg, and her last name is Goldberg. Like, <laughs> she got canceled. <laughs> but no, one thing I do think is that um, when it comes to the Holocaust versus slavery, because we've had this debate, having went to Clayton school district we've had a lot of the holocaust like drilled into our brain because that was like their yes. specialty there but there is a lot more photographs of the horrificness of the holocaust and you don't really see photographs of the horrificness of slavery like even when they show like where the the people lived and like they don't really show you know a family of 15 trying to squeeze into this little cabin they just show these were the living quarters of slaves and it's like all right I mean, it looks like a living house. You know, it looks like a little cabin, a quaint little cabin, and you think in your own head, like, oh, me, like, you know, me and you could fit in one of those cabins, and it'd be cool, like, you know, go camping, go fishing, whatever. But when you think about the idea of a family of more than three people being in this small little thing, like, for living, no running water, no electricity, nowhere to move around, like, no toilets, no anything, like, and not even the technology that we have, like, nowadays. They didn't have access to that. So even people who lived in nice big houses were still not living as, in the lapse of luxury of some of our most impoverished today. But during slavery, like, none of the harshness and the brutality of slavery was... Nobody was around on slave um, plantations well, taking we- pictures, you know? They weren't like, oh, let us get a picture of you beating the slaves. Let us get a picture of you... You know, of all your slaves, like, in the fields working, the little kids and, like, starving people, like, none of that took place. So, like, we don't have those evidence the way that they have with the Holocaust or with Japanese-American internment camps. So, that's kind of part of why I think we don't get a lot of people fighting for us when it comes to reparations. But I disagree. I feel that we do have the evidence, even if it's suppressed and you have to dig for it. We've seen images of slavery. We know how brutal it was. I mean, you can even still find artifacts. Like being here in the Virgin Islands, 
we received a call to the museum that someone wanted to drop off some artifacts that they found on their property. These were handcuffs and chains that were used on slaves. So we definitely have it. I think that, you know, the U.S. does as much as it can. Look at that with all of these policies going on with these banned books right now. So it does as much as it can to suppress that information, but I think it's there. And I think that was the issue that I had ran into when we were discussing, when the article was discussing different options, because this this option of having to prove that your family was affected or that you're that you are a descendant, do you that's some of the hardest research people that will have to do when you have insurance companies, insurance companies and banks that we know of today hiding that information because then they have to admit to their part in the slave trade. That's true. I mean, when you think about how deep it goes, there are a lot of companies, like all those companies that you see with the horse-drawn carriages as their logos, saying how they've been around since before time, and all those railroad owners and oil tycoons, they all had their hand in slavery, even people who lived up in the North. And I do think that one way that they could go about um, identifying some of these people is, A, through the cotton industry, the oil industry, railroad industry, but also through the reparations because, of course, the U.S. government paid reparations to slave owners for taking their slaves after Lincoln freed the slaves. So Lincoln freed the slaves or whatever, but Southern (laughs) slave owners got money for that property that he had all of a sudden freed. So it's not like it came at no cost at all. People like to act like Abraham Lincoln was like, slaves are freed and that's that. And then all the black people who were slaves like got out of their shackles and started running like, you know, the song that Mary Mary sings like, oh, shackles off my feet so I can dance. Like, no, that's not what happened. Like these white slave owners got paid money their own restitution for losing their property as we were, as our ancestors were called. And so I don't know. I do believe that um, it is necessary to have that lineage and those companies do need to come forward and tell people about it because it's a huge gap in American history. And the fact that slaves are property in general lets you know there's no way that the United States didn't keep track of that. One thing the United States is going to keep track of is capitalism. And anything that's considered capital, which slaves were considered capital, they're going to keep track of that. Just like they keep track of slaves. I, I do. They, it's, it's just, even when I go through the exercise of my own genealogy, not from the perspective of who was owned by slaves, but where am I from? Just the general question of where am I from? Where are my people from? How did I get to this place? That those answers just lie in the hands of the U.S. And it's, we, that's where I think we need to come together more because this is, it's not a far reach to ask these questions and demand these answers because the answer and it's just I think we just need to keep sharing this story having this conversation uh, they have groups like the ADOS group which is um, 
um, American descendants of slavery, where that that conversation, this conversation of reparations, is constantly uh, being brought up, and it's being brought up on state levels and uh, national levels, and so we we have to just keep fighting. We have to remember to to enlighten people around us that there's more to their story than what they just know now. Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, I can follow, like, my family's genealogy and history back on one side of the family pretty easily. Like, luckily, my dad was born in 1923, so, you know, it's not too far off away from, like, slavery. But the records get really sloppy after you look at his parents, trying to find out who the parents of each of his parents were. It gets real, real murky, and it gets hard to, like, go through that history. But mainly the census is what normally gets me started like I can see census data for my um, own family members so that definitely helps me with like genealogy stuff but I understand what you're saying as far as like these companies having power to release and give I also think the Vatican has a lot of records that people don't think about Um, well people do think about it because everybody talks about what they have in those vaults in the Vatican and I really think they have records of all of this because they're one of the one entities that has been around for so long, unchanged. Correct. Like the United States started off as colonies, then we changed to whatever the fuck we were before we came to democracy. So we weren't always a democracy. The Vatican has always been the Vatican. Like the Catholic Church (laughs) has not, (laughs) they still have popes. They still have priests, like they still got their cardinals, like they haven't changed and they've been around a long time recording history, everybody's history, because they send missionaries out everywhere. So I definitely think they could have a lot of keys to that same puzzle. Um, And honestly, going to Africa did not give me all the answers I looked for. It honestly brought up more questions than answers for me personally. So I think that some of these large entities that have access to the information should probably start to give that information up because I don't think it would make us more fractured people. I think it would just make us become more humanized with ourselves and with others. And like having a part of your history, being able to be told and shared to others is a big deal. It is. I agree 100%. And I mean, storytelling is, a, a big thing in our culture and there are a lot of ways that we do have little snippets of our history through those stories the records tie them together in such a different way and I'm really um, happy we're having this conversation because with all of the genealogy research that I've done we just um, did a DNA test uh, or ancestry DNA test to get more answers about the migration of our family throughout time and I really hope that this tie together the research that I've done like you know I've done this research every time I do it you know no matter what angle I approach it from the results come up this way but this this DNA will actually help me to learn a little more so I'm excited but it's also a little nerve-wracking because you just you you want to know where you're from you want to know 
your the story of your family, your ancestors, and so just happy to learn a little more. Yeah, I mean, you're brave to do that. I personally have never really wanted to do the DNA swab thing. I just always think about crimes. I'm like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. My God, <laughs> I might have to murk somebody, and I don't want them to be able to just go to 23andMe and, and immediately be like, it was her. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. We got her DNA right here. Um, no, I don't think I'll ever end up committing any crimes. They already got my fingerprints, so there's that. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, we want to move on to Miss Policy's opportunities to atone for slavery and reparations. Um, because I really want to talk about 40 acres and a mule because I really think people get this confused all the time. That is the most common thing that we hear about. Everybody wants to know what happened with our 40 acres and a mule. We're here to tell yeah. you that President Andrew Jackson reversed the order. <laughs> That's what happened, plain and simple. Lincoln got killed, Andrew Jackson got in office, and he said, never mind that, we're going to do something else. Kind of like how Joe Biden was like, we'll give you $2,000 checks, and then got in office and was like, actually, we're going to make it 1400 <laughs> Andrew Jackson was like, actually, we're going to make it zero acres and no mules. Right. I mean, and also, um, the federal government empowered former slave owners. So once that reverse order was in place, was field order 15 and once it was reversed and the land was turned returned back to the former slave owners they were also as d shared earlier pay reparations for lost property so i mean the way to kick somebody with me down like this is just moments like this is what really widened that gap that racial gap that racial wealth gap that people are experiencing to, from from moments like this. And once again, we see reparations are being to pay to everybody except black Americans. And once this situation took place, there were so limited options for black Americans because they didn't have any land, because they didn't have a mule to help them with their crops that they had to become sharecroppers and go back to the same land and work for pennies. Yeah. Sharecropping is the biggest scam. It is like kind of one of the first Ponzi schemes. I feel like America has ever had like here, you can rent out this amount of land from me and just pay me with your crops. And it's like, okay, so you're paid with crops, but also like you got to pay me for the land. And you got to pay exactly. me for you to live here, room and board. And like, okay, so then we're just going to take a little bit more of your crops. And then by the end, it's like, nobody got nothing to sell. Like. Nothing. So it's... everything being produced on the slave plantations just continued to be profit for the people who own those plantations, which is infuriating. Like, I don't know how they did it. I really don't know how they did it. It had to be. A psychological thing because I feel like for a lot of black people during that time nothing changed yeah it, it would be really hard to see what the the difference in life because I mean it's hard how did the quality of life change they got access to such little like okay it's, it's more yes but it's a little just such a small amount and I mean, you can 
this just one situation alone just makes me so upset. They got paid for not having slaves. Then the slaves had to pay for the land, plus give them the crops that they grew on the land. Like, what a horrible situation. We need our 40 acres in a mule. I don't know what we need to do to reverse Field Order 15. Maybe we need to look deeper into that in the next episode. But, and that's just a very small start at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the next uh, missed opportunity that the author of this thing piece talks about is the New Deal, which I found interesting as well. Um, the GI Bill, like I've heard a little bit about this because I've heard that they've been trying to do a thing in Washington now to let the descendants of black and other ethnic World War II veterans take advantage of the potential benefits they would have received from any legislation that came past to let military people have a better opportunity to further their future and their wealth in America by building businesses, buying homes, whatever, so have you. So they've been like trying to pass a bill to let descendants of World War II veterans have the opportunity to use the benefits that their ancestors would have gotten. But there's been no movement on that as of right now as of 2022 uh but back when the gi bill was mandated federally it was um a federal mandate that was allowed to be implemented locally so what that meant was the racism of wherever you live was able to be embedded in how that was implemented and how those benefits were dispersed and of course they weren't running around trying to help black people in the south get anything <laughs> nope <laughs> Nope, not at all. And then it also jumps into uh, Social Security. And uh, the two professions that were excluded from Social Security were domestic and farm workers. So once again, the omission effectively excluded 60% blacks across the U.S. and 75% in the southern states who worked in these occupations. Yes. I have no words. <laughs> Let's just... You understand. Like, people understand what's going on here. Um, Yeah, it's, it's... This is hard. And let's look now. Let's just keep moving forward with time. And now we look at just anti-black policies. And it just talks about... Um, addressing the wealth, the wealth gap and how it should be similar to what they've called the Harriet Tubman Community Investment Act, which recently uh, was heard in the Maryland Gen General Assembly. And this was to atone for slavery and its legacy by addressing education, home ownership, and business ownership barriers. And I, I think this is good. I've heard of other states. I, I'm not sure which state it was, but there was some state. Or maybe it was, was it Georgia? I don't know. That yeah. might be a reason. But there was a state that, um, or not even a state, a city that was preparing reparations, preparing to 
pay reparations and it wasn't in direct payments to the people in that community but through business grants and home ownership and yes that helps yes the education helps but money talks yeah like let's just be real honest here. <laughs> yeah i found this article to be very interesting when they started to discussing reparations for slavery and anti-black policies so like the main five things they said were individual payments for descendants of enslaved blacks college tuition to four-year or two-year colleges and universities for descendants of enslaved black americans student loan forgiveness for descendants of enslaved black americans down payment grants for housing revitalization grants for descendants of enslaved black americans business grants for businesses starting up business expansion to hire more employees or purchasing property for descendants of enslaved black americans um which i found all these things to be interesting but everything to me just sounded like a lot of these different things like when it comes to education like i think it's a very important thing that we do look at how our education system is set up because it is crazy that schools and counties that are predominantly black are mis are underfunded and a lot of kids come out miseducated compared to schools that are in counties that are predominantly white same yes. with when you look at colleges hbcus get significantly less money than pwis um these are just facts so when you look at things like that i feel like i understand why people will say well we need reparations to attack these types of things but i think it's very important for the community to come together and start saying we are going to attack these types of things. So if you give the people reparations in the form of direct payments, let them invest in the schools, in their communities and neighborhoods. Let them invest in making their businesses or expanding their own businesses instead of saying, we'll give you a business grant. Give this person money so they can open up their barbershop or open up their whatever they want to open up, fashion store, a mechanic shop, whatever they have that they want to do, give them the money to do that and let them take that money and do it and teach them how to do it maybe but like don't make it in the forms of grants from the government for business or make it in the form of like restructuring the education system for inner city students or for people of ethnicities outside of being white like i don't think that's fair i think those are separate issues on top of it not being fair it's creating more barriers to even get to it like that we I recently had this conversation at work and we were talking about the process, you know, of our grant cycle. And you know, it really shouldn't be as intricate as it is. Like yes, we have some questions. Yes, there are some formalities around it. But the ultimate goal is to get the resource to the person so they can do what they need to do. And more than anything, the when it talks about the individual payments, it's damages to the people it helped enslave. Like, it, you yes, you can offer us these resources through college, through education, through housing, through businesses. But just know that the median family wealth for white families is $171,000. Yeah. 
compared to black families, that is $17,600. So yes, you can create all of these paths and avenues, but the reality is give us the money to make this right. Yeah. Like for the college, see um, Georgetown and Princeton Theological Seminary, they are aiming to atone for the fact that the sale of slaves helped to fortify the university endowments and establish them as an elite institution of higher education. So it says that, you know, descendants of slaves sold by Georgetown are now entitled to full rights bestowed by those universities to obtain degrees. That sounds great. How do you know if you're a descendant of a slave that was sold by Georgetown University? That is a journey, a search, that in reality a person could be on their entire life trying to figure out. Yeah. And the student loan forgiveness thing and the college tuition thing, both things. I do feel like a key problem with this is that like maybe a key problem with giving reparations in general outside of just saying it is due to the fact that your ancestors were enslaved when you start adding in all the different policies that were negative for african americans you can't forget that there are also policies that were negative for people of all races and people of all ethnicities like for example with college everybody got swindled with college in our generation Yes. I don't feel like I'm the only person that shouldn't have to pay back my student loans. I feel like my white friends, my Asian friends, like anyone who has student loans, like we all got swindled. I feel like everybody who is like younger than a baby boomer got swindled with college. We got swindled. We get swindled with taxes and social security too. Like, I feel like one policy they can do, cancel my student loans or let every social security payment you take out of my check for taxes, everything that goes to social security, let that go out of my student loans. Because I'm never getting Social Security. I'm never getting it. <laughs> so, like, where's this money going for real? Like, let that cancel out my student loans while y'all use the money to actually do what you need to do with it, which is pay baby boomers. Because that's all you're going to yes. get. Like, you know, so I feel like some of the policies and some of the suggestions of reparations that people talk about, like land and businesses. White women were barred from having their own businesses and owning land for a long time, too. You know? There are some white women who got married and then their husband inherited all of their father's land because it could only go to a man. And since she didn't have no brothers, it couldn't go to her. So it went to her husband. I mean, they kind of would have a stake in having reparations too. So I think it's very important to be like, we're trying to get reparations for slavery because this is what the main issue is because that is what the issue is. And I feel like people try to like, bring in other things like but look at all the policies that the united states made that made it even more difficult for black people to obtain wealth and to obtain success and it's like yes that is something that is very valid and that's something that exists and i feel like they try to water down reparations for slavery by adding those things in because they know that the united states is like hard pressed to admit yeah we fucked black people over and we kind of need to like atone for slavery so instead they say, oh, it's not just slavery. It's also all these other policies you did, like the crime bills in the 90s and all this. Like, no, don't include all that stuff because all that stuff impacted other people as well. But slavery was impacted, was one thing that impacted 
our ancestors and nobody else's as far as the United States goes and what we're talking about with reparations for black people. Yes. And I mean, honestly, let's take it one issue at a time. Let's start with slavery because that is how for a lot of black Americans, their story in the U.S. started. And then we can work on the other issues after that. But just starting with how the story of majority black Americans were got here to this day, that, that has to be where we start. That has to be the conversation. And then I just would have to remind people one more time to even just look at the other people that were paid, the other cultures that were paid or races that were paid reparations it was cash. It did not need to be through these programs. These people were getting checks in their mail without them doing anything or with them doing very little. Yeah. And, and if had, you can do it for one, you can do it for all. This is true. I definitely feel like it's something that it's hard to understand why America has such a hard on for not allowing black Americans to be treated equally. It's like America like goes into anaphylaxis shock when it, the idea of making a black American on par with everybody else is mentioned. It's kind of like, well, we didn't do anything wrong. It's not our fault. And it's like, yo, like, chill out. Like, just stop. <laughs> like, if it's the last thing we do, that's really their approach. <laughs> and the sad part is, is that like a lot of Americans think like, oh, the taxpayer shouldn't have to pay this back. Like there's like only about 10 families in the United States that have existed since before slavery making money in the United States. It's not yeah. hard to pinpoint down these huge tycoons. I'll give you a hint. Rockefeller's one of them. Like, <laughs> like right. we know the names. We know these family dynasties, as they call them in America, is because they can't call them monarchies, but they basically are. You know what I'm saying? Like, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates don't necessarily owe nothing to anybody for slavery. But I feel like the Bush family might not be that innocent. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like yeah. certain people, it's like, you know, they when they talk about how great, great, great grandfather did this, this, and that, great, great, great grandfather probably owned slaves, and he probably didn't do it. His slaves probably did it. Just like George Washington. Like, he couldn't even let a black man get his credit for making macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I just learned that. That was, that was one of my Instagram black history, mo black history moments. I learned that a black man invented macaroni and cheese, and then George Washington or Thomas Jefferson... Whoever had Sally Hemmings, I think it was Thomas Jefferson. Maybe. One of them took credit for it. And I was like, damn, like they couldn't even just like let their chef be great. Like, and how obvious was it probably to their friends that you didn't come up with this? Like, imagine coming like having people come over to your house with a meal that they know your husband cooked and being like, Yeah, look at what I made. And everybody's like, Okay, like we know you didn't cook this. Like, we know your ass was not in the kitchen coming up with ingredients for a meal. Like, you're supposed to be the president, you're supposed to be, like, a politician, but you're in the kitchen, really, with all your servants and shit that you got, you are in the kitchen making this meal. Really? Come on now. Now, that is the thing that I say I really appreciate um, 
I see during Black History Month is like people, and not even of our generation, just all across the board, we are digging in and finding our story, finding the real facts in history around black culture and we are sharing it and like you said every time you hear one of these facts you're not even that surprised honestly because you're like i definitely see that that was a black person (laughs) It's, it's, it's no surprise but um we are just so grateful that we have everything we do today because of what um our ancestors have and I am just enjoying this Black History Month, learning so much more about us and our story. Um, I can't find the name of the movie, but there is a movie that talks about Traces of the Trade. Is that the name of the movie? And it talks about um, a family that um, realized that they were linked to, that their wealth came from the slave directly from the slave trade, passed on through their family members, uh, but it was because they owned slaves. And they, um, it's a very interesting story to watch. Um, It's descendants of the largest slave trading family in America face their past. And, I mean, it's, it came out in 2008. It's a documentary. And it, I encourage people to watch it. It's um, a very powerful story. You'll see, you know, folks denying that because the money that they have today, uh, or denying that the money that they have today came from that, and then others really accepting and owning journey. So, um, just I encourage people to conversation going. I empower people, black people to know that you are entitled to this don't ever for a second think that you're not when we have these moments and days that we are struggling and you're like no i really am doing all of the things in the world or all of the things in the in society that i was told to do and i still feel like i'm banging my head against the wall it it's a system that's that's designed to make you feel that way so uh yeah, we're here. We're talking through this. I'm so happy we had this conversation. Uh, we will definitely have the details for the article um, in the links. So check those out. And D. All right. I guess we can move on to our affirmation. Oh, the affirmation for today. I am free to design the life of my dreams, and my imagination knows no limits. Yes. All right. So, okay. I am free to design the life of my dreams, and my imagination knows no limits. Like the soldiers, no limit soldiers. Yes. We should have that plan right here. We definitely (laughs) should not. We should not. We definitely don't need Master P in this joint. Um, we gotta give a shout out to Master P. What are you talking about? Oh God! Wow. Yeah. Shout out to Master P. And he his, came uh, and, like talk about like really 
doing it, like, especially when it come to rap, you know, he's selling it out the trunk, getting it out the mud. But he really did make something of himself. He has, like, a number of businesses. Um, and, yeah. Master P is definitely somebody I, I think of as an inspiration when it comes to being a, a smart black business person. So, I definitely would give him a shout out. I'm okay with the shout out, but I definitely regret saying no women soldiers. We just went off on the Master <laughs> P tangent. I know. You don't have to put that. <laughs> no, we can keep it in. Did you hear recently like how WAC 100 called Master P broke? Because Master P was like giving Nick Cannon advice. And he was like, Nick Cannon's like 20 times more rich than Master P. Master P is broke. He don't even own his own masters. So I was like, what? <laughs> what? Wow. People are weird. Right. Oh, speaking of Master P. Oh, God. And we're already talking about this. No, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. He will actually be speaking at a cultural accountable summit. And he's talking about from hustle into flow, building wealth instead of getting rich. See, come on, for the culture, Forbes, thank you. Shout out to y'all. We over here having real conversations. That's what's up. Nice. Well, shout out to Master P. Yes. If you want to sponsor us, we will do a commercial for Rap Snack Ramen Noodles because they're good. I'm in it for sure. <laughs> another episode of gentrification thanks for joining us we really appreciate all your support shout out to our 300 instagram followers (laughs) we can get that to 3,000 real soon but you know slowly but surely always is one to raise for me so i'm down for that as well yes liking following and sharing thank you guys